0: I have found the best way for prevention is to having leverage. The, one of the greatest benefits that I have is, is I'm not sourcing for me just for one company, I'm sourcing for multiple.
1: Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Miccolini. All right, everybody. Global from Asia, episode 177. Let's get clear. What, what's the URL for today's show?
2: Um, it's globalfromasia.com slash episode 107.
1: 7. <laughs> 177. All And so last week was my son's three-year birthday. And... Okay.
2: Uh, you guys gonna have a party, right, this Sunday?
1: Yeah. So while the show is online, we'll have already had a party. Uh, like twenty sets of parents and kids in our apartment, and it'll be insanity. I will try my best to make a, a fun video blog for Mike's Blog dot com. Um, yeah, I'm getting used to being a dad. It's a transition. Um, and there's also a holiday this weekend, so Clara's got a long weekend. What well, can you explain the holiday?
2: Um, I think it's a Dragon Boat Festival uh, for guys who you don't know and don't really have a, a, like a crew. But it's a guy, basically, he got exacted by, uh, amp, by an emperor. And people want to save him from, like, eat up by... You know, like uh, fishes and just sour rice dumpling into the river.
1: <laughs> so that's because I know there's those... Uh, it's Zhongzi, right? Yeah. It's like a big palm tree leaf with sticky rice.
2: Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it called like rice dumpling?
1: I... I'll try to put a picture on the podcast show notes, but it's a it's a big green leaf that's like a tr- big pyramid triangle shape with sticky rice inside and a piece of meat in the middle. And they're everywhere in China and eggs, and eggs too. I usually just noticed a meat meaty thing inside. But if you guys are in China or in a Chinatown near you, go get a Zhongzi on Tuesday if you're hearing this at the time of the show. Also, just a little plug for our newsletter. We have a weekly newsletter, Claire and I. Actually, uh, it's a team effort, Cheryl. Also, we have a big group of us that put together a a weekly newsletter. It's not just a bunch of ads or promoting our stuff. We we put as valuable information about Asia and China business news in there. It goes out every Thursday at 9 p.m. You can check that out at globalfromasia.com slash subscribe. And uh, Cl- Claire has been helping me get some interesting news about being a pop star in China and stuff. So we try to keep it fun and interesting. And what do you think? you like the newsletter, Claire?
2: Yep. Yep. Uh, Last week, um, I put news. I found it's going to be quite interesting. So I put it, but I'm putting a long link. So it's kind of like a pop star, like India pop star, how to become uh, like a celebrity in China and get lots of like fame and money. And I found people actually click that link, but it's a long link. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of technical issues, but we we uh, we work really hard at adding as, as much valuable information in there. So if you like the show and you like what we do, make sure you're also on our newsletter. It's every week, Thursdays at 9 p.m., globalformasia.com slash subscribe. Okay, and now for this week's show, we have Darren Whitaker, and he was... In town for the Canton Fair, I met him in Canton Fair in 2008. He's an import-export trader and uh, in based in Melbourne, Australia, going back and forth between China and and uh, and Australia on multiple times per year doing import-export. He shares some interesting stories and he also offers a new service we have on our marketplace, which is a secret shopper, which I'll let you guys uh, learn about from Darren. And the and that's it. There's actually a lot of people in Australia doing business with. With, uh, with China. And I know Chris Thomas was on our GFA VIP members call this past week, and I got to connect him and Darren up and some others. So also make, making great connections, everybody. And let's tune into the show. Let's go in with Darren and me. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into to our Global From Asia podcast. We have a sp- special guest, one of my first friends I met at a trade show, Darren Whitaker. Thanks for being here, Darren. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. So we are in your hotel here in Shenzhen, and I think it's the first time we met in Shenzhen. So you come here quite often. You're from Melbourne, Australia, and you do sourcing services. Maybe a quick overview of what you're doing and...
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm, um, in China five to six times a year. Um, the primary, uh, business is global sourcing, sourcing products and components for other businesses, um, primarily from, from Asia, uh, into Australia, but also the other direction and, and a little bit into Europe and the US.
1: Very cool. And we met, if I remember right, 2008, maybe I think it was 2008 in Guangzhou Canton Fair randomly. I believe so. Yeah. And uh, it's cool that I was over in Guangzhou and we've somehow stayed in touch. I know it's hard with changing of social media and everything, but we've kept in touch. So, uh, so yeah, based over in Melbourne, how, how far is the flight? Because I, I got to still get down there. It's on, it's on my list. It's about nine and a half hours. Wow. Uh, direct to Hong Kong. Direct. Yeah. At least it's direct. And uh, so how'd you get into this whole sourcing sourcing game?
0: Uh, it, it did evolve uh, into it. It wasn't a direct path, but um, I studied international trade at, back in Australia. And quite some years ago, I was managing a company that imported products into Australia. Um, then I discussed this idea with um, a, a guy I knew that was interested in starting the business. I worked for him for a couple of years and then decided to go traveling and um, came back and went out on
1: my own. Very cool. So how long ago was that? Uh,
0: When I met you was, I believe, my first trip to Canton Fair. So um, we're nine years now. Yeah,
1: almost 10. Yeah. Very cool. And so you've been doing this longer than I have. I I, I got out of sourcing. Uh, It's a challenge. It's often underestimated, I think, right? I think people, people think there's Alibaba or global sources or to come to the trade shows. And it's a very, there's very, so much to it to maybe, I always like to say mistakes or, or maybe pointers that you can give people, you know, do this. Uh, it's, it,
0: it is, it is very hard work and it's been, it's been nine years of learning. And I think when you stop learning, um, you're lying to yourself. So, <laughs> um, it's, it's very hands on. You have to be uh, on top of it at all. It's great to be able to outsource some elements of it, but um, depending on the stage of business that you're at and um, what you're trying to achieve and um, how standard your product is and how much customization there is and how similar each order is depends on um, how much contact and physical contact you need with the. Um, with the suppliers and also the uh, distribution channel. It's also uh, understanding the requirements of um, your customer and understanding the capabilities of the factories.
1: Okay. And then I think sometimes underestimating, don't overestimate, right? Like uh, oversimplify. I think I've learned maybe it's the cultures or the languages just being extra clear about what you need And not make any assumptions. I guess that's true anywhere in business, but I think especially with international business and, 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 you know, making buying decisions.
0: Oh, look, absolutely. And there's, we have the, um, I'm sure you've seen some yourself, um, whether it be through German engineering or Chinese, I know a LED display factory in China that, um, fulfilled a large order for um, Mercedes-Benz in Germany that was um, basically two hands um, showing how the, the, well, the LED display like, was like a TV that shows the process that the person on the assembly line does and they can just look at that for eight hours a day <laughs> Um, twisting a bolt or uh, turning wow. a knob or whatever it may be and they had these displays right throughout the factory, um what the Chinese supplier told me so um that's a you know obviously a, a great tool for them um in regards to quality control but not many businesses have the scale where they can justify fulfilling their, uh, filling fitting out their factory with um LED displays with this sort of um, uh, video on loop showing
1: That's crazy. how to
0: do it. So um, it'd be great if we could all do that. But um, the budget to do that would obviously um, uh, render a lot of projects um, <laughs> not feasible.
1: Here is a nail. Here is a hammer. <laughs> this is how you put a nail into a piece of wood <laughs> it's like on repeat. Like It sounds obvious, but uh, I've learned. I'm still learning even in office work or anything to me, it's never too clear, I think. (laughs) Right.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we're, we're talking, um, nine and a half hours flight away to go and fix a problem. So um, it's, it's, it's a, you can imagine how the people at NASA would feel sending some astronauts to the moon. You, you, you can't send an engineer and a mechanic and um, a doctor and everyone up there. So um, it's, it's the same here that you, the information has to be very clear and concise and, um, and simplified as much as possible um uh, there 's obviously other ways you can do it, like providing samples is always a, a good way and um, we 're lucky that we have the um, benefits of technology such as video with skype and um, photos and um, being able to email i i 'd hate to think what it was like to do this type of business a hundred years ago
2: um,
0: mm-hmm. it would be a, a completely different I, world
1: yeah i mean that 's why i Technology has definitely helped. And uh, so I think the first step is finding or sourcing a product, but also with your, you do consulting services, which is like a separate thing, but also other services people should consider. Can you, can you give us some ideas of some of these services?
0: Yeah, like I I touched on with the primary business. I I source um, factories. I I do all the um, due diligence in choosing the right factory um, consolidate shipments. Um, like we have one project that I'm working at the moment, there's 15 suppliers, um, and we consolidate, um, in a factory in Shenzhen where we assemble and package and ship. Um, I handle all the, um, all the shipping documents and, um, the freight and basically arrives to my, customer in Australia. I charge them in Australian dollars, including all the local taxes, and they don't have to worry about any of the exchange rates or importation Mm. details. Um, That's, like I said, the the core business. Um, Also, um, working elements of consulting for for various customers. Uh, A good example is a a large property developer in Australia uh, employed um, our services to... Um, investigate whether it was worthwhile them um, sourcing their building materials directly from China as opposed to buying through say a a local builder who would then buy off all the individual contractors who would most likely pay at a slightly discounted rate off say a a plumbing or a hardware store. Hmm.
1: Okay it's like pricing and and strategic yeah. decision-making.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, and obviously risk analysis is the big thing for these guys. So um, that was obviously um, one of the focuses of the um, consulting we did for
1: them. I mean, just popping in my head, a friend of mine wants to get into business of buying house containers. You basically buy these house boxes and you can they ship from China in containers. And you basically stack them up and they make a house.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Multi-modular like uh,
1: housing. It's yeah. <laughs> that's pretty wild. And so IP, you know, I think, I think that's probably the biggest fear of China or outsourcing outsourcing really, right. Where you send it overseas or send it outside of your core team. What are some strategies you think for protecting, protecting yourself?
0: Um, there's two phases to this, I believe it's, um, one is the prevention and, and, and we all know what the other one is. Um, look, it's very, very difficult to, that you obviously need to have all your, um, your IP in place and your documentation. It's, it's, we've found it's a lot easier to enforce, um, this protection in the market that you're selling in, as opposed to the one you're buying in whether it be China or, or elsewhere we can have agreements with factories in in Asia um, but uh, the um, from n- not so much from personal experience but from what I understand um, is that it's very difficult for a Western um, company to have success in a, in a Chinese courtroom mm. so um, I, I have found the best um, the best way for prevention is to have having leverage. The One of the greatest benefits that I have is is I'm not sourcing for my own company, just for one company, I'm sourcing for multiple. So it's it's of great benefit to me to have multiple um, suppliers purchasing th- um, through the one factory, um, where if a factory was to say, do to, do the wrong thing, bias, and breach the agreement uh, for product A, we can remove product A and product B from their factory. Um, they have then they've, there's greater consequences for them when you're just sourcing as one company through one supplier. You, there's you have to look at um, other ways of having leverage. So a- again, the, the the greatest asset you can have is is having the protection in your market. Um, if from a legal standpoint, if, if let's say in Australia, for example, if I have a product and um, someone else brings that same product in and it breaches the IP, the importer is responsible from a legal sense, same as if the um, product is defective. Um, this is another reason um, where my um, primary part of the business is um, appealing to my customers is that if they have a product that comes in that's defective and there is legal ramifications or there's um, insurance ramifications, the responsibility lies on the actual importer of the product. So where I'd be the importer. So I, I'm set up to handle this sort of, um, sort of risk um, through insurance and obviously the due diligence with the quality control uh, within Asia.
1: Got it. And... Some examples of things that go smoothly. Maybe you've done this almost ten years, and some of the good, the good cases, or the like, a typical flow of a new sourcing project to the end. You know,
0: Um, nothing seems to ever go smoothly. (laughs) um, There we go. I like that answer. The 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 smooth element. As long as my customers believe it's been a really smooth and. Easy process, then that's great for me. That means I've done my job. Cool. Um, obviously, I, I don't mind telling them some of them problems afterwards after it's happened, but they don't need the stress. They they employ me so they can focus on um, selling their product or consuming the product or doing what they what they do with it to make money and keep their eye on um, that part of their business. But look, after time, it, it can take say three to four transactions with a factory before they are really, um, turning out the product with minimal effort from, from our point. So it's, um, it's, it's great when we get to that stage. Um, there is obviously still, um, elements of maintaining the quality control and there's also quite often that there's variations to the product. So we have to, um, but once, once we have a good relationship, um, the factory understands that we're we're in it for the long term. Uh, we've got some growth, then it's it's a lot easier, and the, the factories are a lot receptive. I could understand where it can be difficult for our suppliers supplying, um, say, a small commodity value or a small amount of um, product to to help us um, have the larger piece of the pie. Like I was saying, for um, for a big project, so for example, I might be forced to. Um, jump on a plane and fly from Shenzhen to Ningbo for an order value that could be um, under a thousand dollars to make sure the quality is right and the timing's right to fulfill, fulfill the larger order properly.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, let's say you maybe never made a mistake, but some mistakes you've seen uh, (laughs) uh, people make, or if there was a hidden camera and like you're saying how you don't, the clients don't have to see all the behind the scenes emergencies, but what are some of these kind of s- scary stories?
0: Oh, the, the biggest one and the obvious one, and, and it's it, to be honest, it keeps me in business because I see a lot of customers try this um, before they they use my services, is simply thinking that you can find something on Alibaba, <laughs> a place an order, and the thing will be okay. <laughs> you know, like sometimes it will be, and, and there are some good suppliers out there, and, and there are some that... Um, may, you may not be communicating with them r- well enough and the, and the products um, might not arrive well. But uh, I've got a rule of thumb that if someone's bringing in, say, a container load of products um, for their business, uh, you need four trips to China. Wow. Yeah, yeah you, you, need, you need one to go to the fairs. Um, you also may contact um, factories off, off your Alibabas uh, and different marketplaces. Uh, you, you need to visit five, six, seven of these factories if you're serious about um, a long-term relationship and and sourcing this product. So once you've gone there, you most likely want to engage, say, three of them to make a sample, depending on the product. Or you may need to make a tool with one of them, and it might turn out, might not turn out to what you be, what you sorry to. Um, it may not turn out what you want it to be. Um, and then you have to go to your next one in line. Um, then once you've approved the samples, it's it's not a case of we can place an order and um, we don't have to come back again. You place the order and you have to come back and do the QC and make sure the shipment's correct. So um, if the tooling cost is four weeks, you, you're not going to most likely sit around and let your business run itself at home. You'll have to come back. So. Mm-hmm. That's where people employ the services of um, a business like myself that are coming over, servicing multiple customers at the same time. Other issues may be um, not coming over to um, service the shipment. The first shipment arrives and it's it's fantastic. It's everything you order. Uh, it's everything you wanted and you place a reorder in mm-hmm. six months. Um, this could put you into other traps. It could be uh, wet season, and it's a product that doesn't respond well to moisture. Um, there could it could be a, a holiday, and sometimes it's, we've always found that it's it's good that people start and finish their um, assembly line without uh, the interruption of a holiday uh, in the, in the middle of uh, production because. The worker can go away, come back a couple of weeks later. It could be a different person at that station, and there'd be inconsistencies in the product. Uh, that person may be in a different um, mental state or a different headspace when they return from their holidays and
1: waste <laughs> drinking or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and or their relationship status may have changed, mm. and their outlook on life is completely different so uh, these these are little intricacies that um, a quite important, obviously it depends somewhat on the nature of the product and the processes involved in the, in the production of the product, but it's, it's certainly, they're all certainly things that need to be considered.
1: Great. So let's go into keeping your factories in check. Uh, you know, like sometimes you wonder if, uh, you know, they're, they're loyal is a word or there, you know, you have these, you know, this secret product or your, your most important uh, IP and you want to make sure you're keeping it t- to yourself. So how do you monitor the factory or maybe understand more what's going on behind the scenes?
0: I'm glad you asked Mike, because I recently thought of an opportunity with a new product that you've come out with,
1: with
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, um, global...
1: From, global from Asia marketplace.
0: That's right. So, um, what uh, Basically, it was more so tailored towards um, the platform that you're offering where the service can be um, basically taken on by just about anyone purchasing uh, from whatever type of factory it may be uh, in Asia where uh, my company could do the servicing of, of approach, uh, approaching your supplier to see if they are willing to um part with your product or or breach the agreement in, in such respect. So it's more of a health check or a relationship check with, with your current supplier, um, basically to find out the devil's advocate if they are doing the wrong thing by you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, there could be legitimate reasons why the factory are taking this path or it could be um, the way that you're communicating with the factory. They might not have a, a, a clearer understanding of, um, your relationship. And this will give you an understanding of, and, and, and give you direction on how to handle this in the future.
1: True. Yeah. So you a little bit of background story about your, 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 an, an answer first for the answer. Yeah. We, we listeners have probably been hearing about the marketplace we launched here at Global From Asia. So I talked to Darren and, uh, and, uh, he thought of the idea to do a, like a secret shopper, So we're, we're going to, we're working on that now. And we're, the idea is uh, you have your secret product that they're not supposed to show or sell to anybody. And you could uh, have Darren test their loyalty by trying to find out they will sell him your product.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It could also be associated with uh, the IP that you have. If, um, if you've, given clear instructions for that IP that may not be the exact product that you're purchasing from them, but still um, you be produced using the IP that you own, whether they'll be happy for it to go into a market that uh, is that you're not currently servicing, Mm -hmm. but you're still not happy for it to go there.
1: Agreed. That's something I've learned uh, kind of like the hard way or or a lot of times with with listeners too, is they think you're like, I'm American. You're like, Oh, so we'll just not sell. They make the assumption that you only care about the U S market or they'll sell to Australia or they'll sell to Europe or even in China, or they definitely think you don't care about China because, uh, they, so sometimes that might be even clear in a contract, but if not, you should make it clear. But also you could also test, like Darren says, you could have, have the secret shopper service, uh, to buy in other markets and see if it matters.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be IP related or territory related. It could be uh, a price checking mechanism. Also, uh, are you getting the right price? Can if you negotiate harder, will it? Um, we, we could look at ways of seeing if you can get the price lower um, without compromising the quality, or if there's any other ways that we can um, improve your relationship or improve your understanding of, um, the position that your supplier is at.
1: Mm-hmm. So now I definitely think it's a, it's a worthwhile and it's gotta be strategic, right? You can't just ask, I was, uh, I don't know if I told you this story, but maybe I did. Uh, I was at the cross-border summit and, uh, one of the male attendees was curious about the, uh, detail of one of the female attendees and he asked me if I could Discreetly find out what her nationality was. She's not Chinese, or 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 you know. So he was trying to figure it out. I guess he was curious, and he asked me, "Can you, you know, smartly find out?" And then I said, "I'm just so I'm organizing this event. I can't really." So then he went and asked somebody else, and he told her to be careful about asking. But she just directly went to the girl and said. That guy over there is asking me what your nationality is.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> so you got to be careful, right? If you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, use someone to to, to test this uh, relationship. So
0: yes, absolutely. And um, we would go through a, a process um, with the prospective customer that um, is looking to check their factory to in to work out which information is sensitive. Um, obviously. It, we could go through the whole process and the factory may not, we can make sure the factory is never aware of why we are approaching them. We're, we're, the company that will be approaching them is a genuine business that does source a significant amount of product mm-hmm. through China. So it's um, it's, it's not really difficult for the supplier to envisage that um, there there may be subsequent orders from the inquiries.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. So it's yeah, it's like a it's like a established buyer account or established business, not some random no profile photo, new new account. So let's say that they found out they failed the test. <laughs> what what do you think we should do?
0: I think that it depends very much on each individual scenario. Um, some of the scenarios may be as simple as a misunderstanding, and it, it may be rectified by. Basically, uh, laying the the cards on the table and discussing with the factory and and explaining why. Um, and it it may be much more um, sinister. And and if you have tooling or molds at the factory, it may simply require you to. Get on a plane <laughs> and go and pick up your tools and take them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It, it very much depends on the scenario. and But the benefit is um, because it's so discreet, you can have the, um, the element of surprise and you can be strategic and prepared f- for whatever it, um, repercussions may occur.
1: Got it. So I just thought of it. We'll make a short URL uh, for the, for the, for the service. It'll forward to the full page, but globalfromasia.com slash secret shopper. So people can type that in when the show is online and they'll go to the service so they can, they can read about, about your offer. This is cool. Um, so of course there's this, this new global from Asia service that you're, you're productized, but how about your normal your company and 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 uh, how people can find you i mean thank you so much for sharing today and what's what's your what's the ways people can find you and your business
0: yeah the best way is through our website it's ngsdirect.com as in the company name is network global solutions got it. and thanks
1: for having me no problem there thank you for coming on we'll put this all up on the show notes as always everybody with the episode number so thanks for tuning in Thank you so much, Darren. It was great to catch up with you again in person. I know we had chatted a lot on online before you had come and each time. So it's almost 10 years since I met him at the Canton Fair in 2008. Time is just really flying by. And Claire and I were just looking at all the new shows we have to offer you guys. We have amazing guests, amazing content to share. It's almost difficult to choose who to put up for next week's show but we have an amazing guest already. I don't know. I don't want to ruin surprises. So I'll let you guys wait till next Tuesday. And we also have a really cool testimonial we got on Facebook from a listener. On our Facebook page, Global From Asia, we have our own Facebook page too. And it's an amazing testimonial. I'll read it off for everybody. It goes, Hi, Michael. My name is Narinda and I live in Australia. It looks like the Global From Asia's cross-border summit was awesome it's my dream to go to China and improve my Amazon business. I love your podcast, so thank you heaps for that. All right, Narinda, thank you so much for listening. And, you know, we really appreciate all of you guys for choosing to download our MP3 and listen. And Claire and I have been getting a lot of requests from companies that want to sponsor this show. So we put together some packages. Claire, do you want to talk about some of our sponsorship opportunities here?
2: Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, we now have like uh, sponsor opportunities for the show as well as uh, global for cross-border summit. So um, if you want to support the show and think um, if you, you know, like businesses in Asia, um, I think like both are a really great way to improve your business. So uh, you can reach out by um, email us at uh, brock at global from Great.
1: Thank you. Yeah, you can talk to Claire about that. She's talking already a great, a few great companies. And, and that's all we have for this week. Thanks again for listening. We have tons going through the whole summer. We don't take any holidays here on the show. So enjoy your Zhongzi. Make sure you go and... I even buy mine at 7-Eleven here in the street. They sell them even at 7 here in China. So uh, enjoy and have a great, great, uh, great rest of your week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.